I have any descriptors, descriptors, or if there are any descriptors, to further describe what this world's becoming. Now, I don't know if there's any definitions left. You've heard me try to use some in the last few months. So in my limited ability, now I've been praying quite a bit in other language that the Holy Spirit knows what I'm saying and God knows what I'm saying. I don't. And that may be the effective means in the day we're living in to really be saying what we need to be saying. Amen. Because this situation is far more severe than the average eye wants to see. This is an all-out spiritual battle. It's a waging of war in the spiritual realm. Now that's been going on for thousands of years. The waging of war in the spiritual realm. Uh, amen. But now it's in a different place. I was reviewing earlier, and everybody's aware of the recent happenings this past week, that the Supreme Court had issued some renderings. Thank you. That's not the message this morning. The message has always got to be on the word. Amen. If we make messages off of the happenings and worldly affairs, and I mean sometimes yes, we can tie them in for examples, but the word. The word is what we have to have. Amen. So with everything taking place and everything going on, I'm sure you're not unknowing of the, for lack of better terms, the chaos and the hellish activities that are being or escalating by the second. I mean, even even last night and this morning, there's attacks on pro-life centers. There's attempted attacks on government buildings. They're burning, uh, doing all sorts of things. What I'm trying to say is things are moving towards, things are escalating, things are advancing towards the finality. Amen. The signs are amongst us. They're very obvious. It's very apparent what's going on if you have a spiritual life. But if you don't have a spiritual life, you just you just do it. Some might consider, well, what's happening is just happening, you know, these things have occurred for years. No, they're not just happening because they're fueled by something. They're fueled by someone. Hatred and spite is not fueled by God. Mm -mm. Destruction and havoc and chaos is not fueled by God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about any specific. I'm talking about in any instance. Yeah. 
So in the midst of all this, churches being attacked, physically, have you noticed lately the Christians are becoming more of the problem? It's the church's fault. Have you picked up on that one? Being said more and more and more. Being broadcast more and more and more. Those Christians and their beliefs are the issue, regardless what it is. You might pass that off, but I'm going to tell you, you better not be passing it off. Because that's going somewhere. It's growing. The momentum is growing. So in the midst of all this and with the, all the things that are taking place and going on and affecting us, and we may be here in a little spot in South Central Oklahoma in kind of a non-significant area, at least according to some beliefs, really don't count much, but we might say, well, we're not affected. Oh, yeah, we're affected. Everybody's affected. Because something has been unleashed by greater degree than it ever has been before. So the question is, what do we do now? What do we as Christians do now with the threats? And even the perpetrations that are taking place. The fear that's building. When, when threats begin, fear escalates. The same old tactic that's been used for thousands of years. Fear. If you can just scare them, you can shut them up. If you can put fear in them, you can make them be quiet. You know, there was a man who walked this earth that didn't have one bit of fear. Amen. And he faced some opposition. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, he went to a rugged cross. He wasn't even afraid of that. Because he knew who the supreme authority was. Amen. His father in heaven, somebody named God Almighty. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God's about truth. God's about righteousness. God's about peace. God's about salvation, deliverance. Yes. Amen. Amen. But in the midst of, and with all appearance, in a very unstable atmosphere, so to speak, that we should be taking recognition of, for our own welfare, both physically and spiritually. But what do we do? What are we going to do? What do we do now? Go to the book of Second Peter with me.
something else that I'm observing of that without a doubt has grown and intensified is the mockery of God. Well, there isn't a God. That's growing. I know there's God. You know there's Amen. God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I know there's God because I serve that God. Amen. I know there's a Jesus. Yes. Amen. Jesus saved my soul. Yes. And you can't convince me otherwise. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In the third chapter of Second Peter. <clears throat> Peter, in beginning, and we're going to move to some scriptures about middle ways here in a minute, but Peter in his beginning began to talk about scoffers in the last days. Scoffers. <coughs> mockers. We could put a lot of descriptions We could say godless, no regard, no fear, no reverence, no respect for God or anybody else. That's something else that we're seeing grow. Lack of respect for others. No concern or regard for others. Folks, these are all signs. Bible is explicit about it. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And iniquity is definitely abounding. What one decision can do is amazing. Amen. Because now we don't only see a country, we see a globe that is raging over the issue. Going all out in opposition. Again, committing violence. Caring less. <coughs> doing whatever. Peter here in picking up in verse 8 in his previous speaking of all this and kind of tidying it up in a few scriptures previously that the scoffers and those that are deceiving and, and, and throughout his writing he, he's, he's touched upon multiple times as Paul did in his writings to Timothy as Jesus even spoke up himself of the state of man in the final days of this earth, their time on this earth, and how they're going to be and what it's going to be like. But Peter here, and again asking the question, what do we do now? What do Christians do now? What are we looking at? What are we going to do if? Or what are we going to do when? 
her say, but beloved, you Peter's address, but beloved, talking to Christians, that's the address. He doesn't say, but Christians, he says, but beloved, that's what he's talking about. But brethren, but sisters, but those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, who are obedient to the Lord. Be not ignorant of this one thing. And it's a short little statement. Doesn't sound like much. Let's read that again. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One thing. Now listen to what he says. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What in the world does that mean? Let's talk about it. What Peter is saying is that God doesn't work with a clock. He doesn't have a calendar. To us, comparatively speaking, as Peter did, one day compared to a thousand years is quite a deal, isn't it? That's a huge deal. But to God, it's nothing. Because eternity is not hinged on time. It's, it's about happenings. Not at a clock movement, but something that was pre-planned by God himself to be a happening at a moment whenever. The birth of Christ. We celebrate it on a calendar day. God had pre-planned it. And I can't even say a point in time because, again, he doesn't operate by time. God is the holder of eternity. Amen. Of past, present, and future. He said, let us not be ignorant of this one thing. So what is he talking about in making that statement? Now, this thing so far is, is too huge and too big for us to really comprehend it because I think I mentioned this a while back. You really can't comprehend eternity because we're too affixed with time that we operate on on this earth. But this goes beyond that. Now, Peter's trying to emphasize who God is. How big God is. How enormous God is, how magnificent God is. That to him one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is one day because he holds everything. Everything is about God, right? He saw fit to put us on earth to have somebody to fellowship with. How did he do that? Picked up a wad of dirt off the ground and said, I think I'll make me a man. Actually, in the original text, be not ignorant means this. 
let it not be hidden from you. How do we not let things be hidden from us? You ever think about that? How do you not let something be hidden from you? You learn about it. And then you know it. And then it's not hidden from you. many people's fault they don't know because they don't try to know that's why Paul says above all things or Peter says above all things don't let this be hidden from you understand who God is how great God is how mighty God is and he used this this comparison using a day and a thousand years and a thousand years and a day that God's so great this this is really something very insignificant to him that we make such a great deal uh, I believe what's being said or we could say it this way that Peter is saying don't be ignorant of the truth if we don't know the truth we are easily deceived if we don't stand for something we'll fall for anything and as Christians we're to stand for the truth the truth of God which is the word of God what God has to say about things. And, and to develop that, to develop our knowledge into something that, that enables us to understand, however hard it might be. And I'm going to tell you something. Learning about God is not an easy thing like some people want to try to make it. What? Learning about God is not an easy thing. And I'm talking about the depth of God. I'm talking about who God... You know why? Because it takes some energy and it takes some time and it takes some effort. And Peter's trying to stir that here. There's some scriptures I'm going to share here in just a moment that we can identify with. So what do we do now? What we do now is going to be directly related to what we know now. <coughs> Or hopefully no. Well, it's not going to get any worse, Brother John. This will get over with, will it? Have you heard the words civil war lately? We'll go to all extremes. I'll tell you, Satan has no limits. Other than God. God is Satan's limit. Yeah. Yeah. That's Satan's stopping place. The more we know of God, the more able we are. The more we apply ourselves towards God, the more we yearn and desire to learn of God, the better off we are. Amen. That we be not ignorant, as Peter said. The term that Peter used, again, being not ignorant, it implies a holy awe and a holy reverence. 
for God. Now, you don't see that immediately in that. But if you're ignorant and unknowledgeable or don't care to know or don't care to learn and you never get it and you never get the knowledge of God, how can you possibly have a holy awe and a reverence for him? You can't. You can't properly. And that very thing in itself is going to be our preserving measure when this thing really gets down to nitty gritty. That's why Peter's saying this. That's why the Bible's declaring this right here. See, when I say all, I'm talking about, and we hear that word so much, you know, we're just kind of, oh, well, all. No, no, all means all. Of God. Yes. Instead of, yeah, there's another day. This is church time. We'll get it over with. We'll go do what we want to do. We'll pick God up next week. God's every day. Amen. Amen. Awed. Amen. With a reverence. A holy reverence. There's a lot of difference in being awed of God with a holy reverence than being ignorant about things. The more knowledgeable we become of God, the more awed and the more reverent we'll be. I promise you. The more you find out about your creator through his word the more you'll be of a lot of things Amen. Matthew Henry and I'm going to share this I don't know if you're familiar with Matthew Henry or not he was a theologian of days past my centuries past and he said this he said a holy awe and reverence of God are necessary in order for one to truly worship and glorify him catch that that's not just throwing your hands up in some kind of a figurative physical motion that's really getting down when you know God and you worship God and who he is and the truth of who he is and you have found you have found that reverence he further said It helps us to realize when we do that of him being ever very near and present, which is absolutely necessary for us to maintain the fear of the Lord. Is that what's happening? I heard that this morning. You said something this morning caught my attention. Is that what's happening to our society? The reverence is either gone or greatly leaving the appreciation for God is disintegrating is that what we're seeing ignorance when there is an ignorance of God and who God is and about God then what else can we expect other than the rages of hell to come surging in because in a great way, it, the, the reverence and, and awe of God is a defense. Because his word's all-powerful, right? Amen. The word of God's all-powerful. The name of Jesus is all-powerful. 
But it's not just throwing the name of Jesus up and expecting it to do magic things for you. It's through a reverential knowledge of Jesus. That relationship with him, that, that born again surrender that you've committed yourself to his service and to be not only your savior but your Lord and your concrete, you are sold out to him in reverence and awe. If you have no knowledge or belief in the eternal God or if one has no knowledge or belief or care to believe or care to know of the eternal God it is said that they make him nothing other than but one of themselves speaking of man. Is that why we see that everybody's their own little God now? I can do what I want to do. I'm my own idol. I can act like I want to act. I'm not responsible. What a statement he made. Be not ignorant. I don't want you ignorant. I want you to know. That's that's the that's the emphasis. I want you to know. If you know you're not ignorant. Amen. If you know you're not unlearned. If you know you can't say you didn't know. Come on. I've had people tell me that. Angry people tell me that. <laughs> With handcuffs on. <laughs> My sad response was ignorance is no excuse. Breaking the law. We've got it right here. We have availability to it. It's been presented to us for a long, long time. What we do with it makes all the difference. We either leave it late or we plow it. And we receive from it. And when we plow it and receive from it, we're gaining knowledge out of it. Which makes us not ignorant anymore. Now, let me clarify. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Unlearned. Ignorant means unlearned, yes. Uh -huh. Amen. And it's amazing that this is right here because it gets pretty scary from here on forth. Matter of fact, it was pretty scary immediately before this. Because right here in the middle, Peter's talking about the finality of things. And he's describing it as best he can in earthly language immediately prior. And he's going to say it again here in just a minute. And when I say finality of things, I'm talking about when this thing wraps up. I'm talking about the day of the Lord. Amen. And that's going to be a real bad time to be real, real ignorant mm -hmm. of God. We can't say, well, I didn't know. In our world today, I think we would have to admit if we were going to be honest is I didn't care to know. In verse 9, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, catch that, to usward, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord's not slack. He's made his promises. That it ain't like he's good one day and tomorrow it's not. Or, well, he said it was going to happen, but no, it's not going to. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it is going to absolutely happen. So with it going to absolutely happen, what we do now makes all the difference. Yeah. Not after the fact. Because after the fact's going to be too late. Way too late. Eternally late. So God's not slack concerning his promise. But long-suffering to usward? You know what usward means? Toward us. When Peter was speaking, towards us, what's he talking about? He's got this thing set for a happening. But he's long-suffering. You know why God's long-suffering? Because God is love. He loves people. He wants to see people saved. He wants to see people come to reverence him. He wants to see people have a relationship to him. That he can call them a child of God instead of a child of the devil. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's pretty stout. It's what the Bible says. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Yeah. And there ain't no middle ground. Yeah. Even though someone create one. You either know God or you don't. not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance that all should come to repentance that's God's will mm -hmm. amen that people repent that's what John the Baptist preached in the wilderness prophets of old the Bible basic underlying repentance you repent you get to know God you're not ignorant anymore. Thank God I'm not ignorant. Amen. I might be ignorant in some things, but I'm not ignorant in Jesus Christ because I know who saved me. Amen. Amen. But what about all them that don't? What do we do? I'm going to tell you, it's easy to, it's easy to get all disgruntled. It's easy to get in a little rage yourself. See, God's long-suffering. Think about this. Long-suffering waiting on souls. Souls. That instead of spending eternity in hell, they got the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. Amen. What if it's you? Yeah. What if you were the one that you hadn't made preparations yet? I'll tell you what, if it was you, you'd be very appreciative of God's long-suffering. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There's a lot in this right here. But what do we do? Peter's laying it out. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Yeah. 
in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. It's graphic. The day of the Lord, description. And the best way Peter could write it in the language of the time, and this, of course, has been interpreted into the English. The Greek adds some additional descriptions that are scary. So, breaking this down and trying to explain it, what is Peter talking about here that this great cataclysmic looking thing is going to happen? Fire? Total annihilation? The heavens are going to melt? There's great debate about these scriptures, especially this one. Some think, no, this is just symbolic. <coughs> Others say, no, it's going to be an actual event. You know what? Doesn't matter to me either way. God's coming. Amen. I think if it's symbolic here, it's okay. The magnitude of God, and you got to get this. It's kind of like we started out here. You got to get how big God is. You got to get how His glory works. The fervency that is around and about Him. God flung this universe that we're in, made up of multiple planets and billions of stars and all kinds of other things. Plus, now there's other galaxies. He made it all. If he is that big and that mighty and that awesome and that powerful, what in the world do you think is going to happen when he shows up back to planet Earth? Yeah. Things on. are going to shake and they might burn Amen. at his presence. This is in a, a, a means to get attention. And Lord God, the world needs attention. Yep. Yeah. They're headed off somewhere. They're not paying a bit of attention to anything spiritual. And a lot of Christians in the same box. Sadly. Still doing what they want to do. Still doing what makes the flesh feel good. Still having a merry time. Headed for hell. But I call myself a Christian. I don't care what you call yourself. You can call yourself everything and anything. But until you are one... Your eternal destiny has not changed. It may be stout, but it's truth. The day of the Lord's coming. Yeah. It's coming. And it's going to be something else. Look at verse 11. We're moving. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Question mark. What we need to take out of that, what manner of persons ought we to be? Before that point arrives. That makes all the difference. The manner of persons we are. That's a huge statement. Huge question. 
gives us a lot of room to begin self-evaluate. Am I really what I claim to be? Well, I'll tell you something. You know the difference. If all you got is a claim, then you know the difference if you got Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Now you can fool everybody. You can, you can fool the entire remaining population of this world other than you, and you can fool every one of them, but you're not going to fool God. Amen. And you're sure not going to fool him when this day arrives. This culmination of the ages. Culmination of everything as it's ever been known. Throughout all the thousands of years of history. All those dinosaur bones that they argue about and all that, and yeah, it'll be ashes. This relates, you know, God has said he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Right? Yeah. So if you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth, then you got to do away with the old. Yep. Now that's one view by theologians. I'm not a theologian, I'm a Christologian. <laughs> These people spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort researching this word and digging and praying for our benefit and there are varying opinions just be careful what opinion you get get hold of said in verse 12 the first part looking now this is still a question at this point looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God looking for and hasting unto Are we drawn to something here or not? Yeah. Looking for and hasting unto. What's he saying? Where's our view supposed to be? Where are we supposed to be looking to? More of this nonsense and chaos and everything that's going on in this world that people so caught up in. I'm going to tell you, some of these people doing what they're doing, they don't even know why they're doing it. Amen. Come on. They're just joining in to the mix. Drawn in like a moth to a flame. Oh, what a term. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. A moth to a flame. What happens to the moth when he hits the flame? He's so interested in. He's smoked. He's not interested anymore because he don't exist anymore. Right. I don't know how a moth thinks, but that's my analogy of it. Anyway. <laughs> wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved the elements from out with fervent heat nevertheless we us we us were us nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth there it is wherein dwelleth righteousness oh man talk about a word what in the world is righteousness this world is so much without it, we don't even know yeah, what he's on. talking about. Amen. But he said, we're going to see it Amen. if we're Christian, believers in Christ, have placed our trust in the Lord. Uh -huh. Let me tell you something, nobody else can do this for you. There can nobody else, their trust won't work for you. 
I've prayed for a lot of people over the years. And some of them I know have come wanting a magic pop because they don't want to do it for themselves. They just want somebody to do it for them. Folks, nobody can do it for you. Nobody can even be ignorant for you. If you're ignorant, you're ignorant on your own. God can do it for you. But it requires, as Peter said, repentance. Yes. Falling on your knees before God and seeking Him and pouring yourself out to Him and searching for Him, Amen. believing in Him, yes. loving Him, uh -huh. Come on. thanking Him and yes. praising Him, yes. Reverent in all of him. Yes. That's what gets you somewhere with God in preparation for what Peter's talking about. New heavens and new earth. Boy, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Amen. Anybody looking forward to going there? Amen. Amen. With righteousness prevailing. Righteousness prevailing. You know what righteousness is? Everything's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm on the right side of the fence. Amen. Almost God. I'm also glad Jesus' mama didn't want to do away with him. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Woo! Now I know God protects his son. That thought come to me. What if she had? Sixty-three million. Sixty-three million. Lies gone. What was the potential? What were the possibilities? We'll never know. Wherefore, verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Found of who? God. Come on. In what? What? That you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And the only way you're going to arrive there is to get unignorant. Yep. And get knowledgeable of him. Come on. Because you can't arrive at these places that these three terms that's used here without knowledge of God. Yeah. It cannot happen automatic. I can't lay hands on you and say, okay, now you got peace and you got all, all the I can't do that. It's something only God can do, and it requires a presentation of ourselves before Him, a learning of Him, a receiving of what it is we learn, and an application of it <laughs> on our hearts, lives, and souls, minds, and bodies. You know, God wants all of us, not just part of us. Amen. A lot of people playing parts.
and to count that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Woo. I'm glad God didn't close the door before I showed up at his doorstep. Long suffering. More than we even understand. Verse 16 is also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned, here we go, they that are ignorant, unlearned, unknowledgeable, and unstable wrestle with, they struggle with, they can't get it. Because they don't know. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Hmm. <coughs> I could expound on that one a while, but I got to wind it up. Ye therefore, beloved, in verse 17, seeing ye know these things before, before time, before it happens, beware lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. You see the intensity of how necessary and essential knowledge is? Because if you don't have it, you have the likelihood of falling from your own security. Let me tell you something. God's going to jerk the slack out of this thing one of these days. Yeah. And there's going to be a whole lot of people on the wrong end of the rope. Yeah. And it's going to pop hard. Matter of fact, it's going to pop so hard. Done. Done for them. They waited too late. We'll close. <clears throat> answer to what do we do now what do we do what do we do when this thing just goes wild and crazier than it already is first thing we're going to have is mercy and pray for conviction yeah. upon the many 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 people that are godless and have no idea thought or concept or will to know anything about God and there are jillions of them. Let us not stop praying, God, please send conviction upon this land. Yeah. Even though you are being blamed by the many that are shaking their fist in the in your face and blaming, it, it, I could go on and on. God still loves people, and He still has a desire for souls to repent and Amen. be saved. Amen. Amen. Long suffering. Secondly, the second thing we need to do, this is where I'll leave it. Is to keep ourselves ready. Yeah. Keep ourselves ready. Yeah. Constantly. The warning I just read. Yearn to know more. Desire to draw closer to God. Have more of Him.
saying that to say this, the nearness to God and the the yearning and the desire and the longing to continually near him and, and get as close as you can possibly get earthly, folks, there's nothing at all wrong with that. Matter of fact, that should be our drive. Because that brings us to a place in him that enables us not to be ignorant anymore, but to be fully knowledgeable that because I am a child of the Most High God, a child of the King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I have a relationship with God my Father through the precious blood and life-giving of His Son, Jesus, then I know who's going to take care of me. I'm not ignorant about that anymore. Praise God. Regardless of what happens, our security is in God. Regardless. And our eternal security is absolutely in God. Finishing up the Scriptures. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow! That's what we do. That's what we do. Let's be driven. Way past ignorance into the depths of knowledge. God will share his knowledge, his wisdom, and his understanding with you if you will but approach him. Prayer. Word. Yeah. Be prepared. Preparation. This is just another preparation. This whole thing's been about preparation. Did you notice that? What do we do? We prepare. We're still preparing. We're preparing for the finality. We're preparing for the culmination of world history. Yeah. And the entrance into the next one. Amen. Amen. Would you stand before? Praise God.